<laughs> yeah, autonomy. Good thing. Autonomy. Hang on to it. Coming up in It's Not Human Sexuality. Maybe this relationship now ends in divorce. Why are we doing this? Why do we want to and where do we think it might go? People can change their minds along the way, right? Everybody sees that a little differently. And then always the question is, well, what about the kids? And I'm thinking, well, what about the kids? If they're brought up in a loving, open environment with honesty, I mean, what's wrong with that? Don't they say that the number one reason for divorce has to do with money? There's a big difference between consent, coercion, and regret. But forgetting is really hard. Right. Well, thanks for joining us. This is episode six of It's Not Human Sexuality. I'm Dr. B. And I'm Mandy Johnson. And we're glad to have you here listening. Today, we're going to talk about different types of relationships. All right. It sounds good. And I think when I we say different types of relationships, I don't mean like um, what we've talked about before, opposite sex or same sex. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the long term kind of relationships that people find Life, themselves lifetime-ish. in. You know, in this episode, I think we've got a, something for everybody. I would agree. We're yeah. going to be talking about all the different kinds of relationships. Yep. From cohabitation. To marriage. Monogamy. To polyamory. Open relationships. We'll list those all out, right? And Absolutely. We'll, we'll go through. But the one I like to start with is cohabitating. I got asked this a lot in my college classrooms, you know. What about cohabitating? Is it a is it a warm up? Is it a is it a a, a, a a test drive? Yeah. And I say it is not a test drive. And tell me why you don't think it's a test drive, Betsy, because I'd say that that's a lot of people's ideas and reasons even maybe for moving in with people is thinking that it's a test drive so that they can figure out if this is going to be somebody they can marry or spend the rest of their life with. First of all, before I answer that, I think it's important to understand that I take cohabitating seriously. Like I think it's important and I think it's a it's a big move and it has a lot of advantages. It has some disadvantages, but it has a lot of advantages and we can go to those in, in a minute. But I think what's important to remember is that when people go into any relationship like cohabitating or marriage, and in particular cohabitating, is that the teeter-totters balanced, right? They both, you're in this relationship and you say, well, let's live together. Let's not get that legal document that's called marriage or domestic partnership, because we can talk about those too, but let's not get that legal document, but let's live together because it cuts down on having two households. Um, it's more cost efficient. It It's easier maybe to grow and cultivate your relationship because of the proximity of it. The disadvantages are, you know, you don't maybe have the federal benefit that you get with that legal document, that legal right. license we call marriage. But you go into it with a teeter-totter balance, right? We both just want to cohabitate. And that's all fine and dandy until all of a sudden somebody wants more. And then, you know, teeter-totter's not balanced, right? There's right. Some, some balance. And the person who didn't say that says, but we were, it's we were so good, good. just the way we are. Yeah. What changed? And they're like, well, I want more. And they're like, well, you know, what kind of more? You know, I love you. You know, I'm committed. You know, I'm in it for the long haul. What kind of more do you want? Right. Legal document, piece of paper. <laughs> maybe for some people that feels secure, right? And so time goes on and the other person maybe pushes and pushes and pushes. And the other person says, okay, fine, let's get married. Let's get married. Right. And then they do. And maybe some people start to feel that noose around their neck. Like, ah, oh, I just didn't feel that. Or maybe they really start to feel coerced. And so then maybe this relationship now ends in divorce. And so my students would say, well, 
I've heard, you know, you know, statistics that say people who cohabitate are as likely, if not more likely to divorce. Is that true? And the answer is, yeah, it, it is. Some of the statistics show that for the very reasons that I just explained, right? So, you know, that person who was perfectly happy cohabitating probably doesn't want that legal document. And that doesn't mean that they wouldn't be in it for the long haul. Like they might be in it for the next 50 years, but maybe just in their emotional standing that that just really didn't sit with them, right? Yeah. And so they left. But there's the flip side of that. Let's say you don't agree to get married. Then the person who wanted that will leave. I mean, and that's just been documented. And it's more likely for women to leave. Like they're going to, I think the average length of time is about five years. And For cohabitation? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Before something, you know, life-changing says, hey, let's move to the next step. And I think women are more likely to leave a cohabitation than men. And yes, and unfortunately, I'm speaking in this heterosexual bias. And forgive me for a minute for that. But unfortunately, that's where the majority of the studies are. Well, I I think that as in everything, cohabitating relationships need to start with really good communication. And if both people go in knowing that, hey, this isn't necessarily a step on the road to marriage, it's just something we're doing because we want to, or they go in knowing that this is, this is our trial run, baby. This is what we're going to do. This is our plan. We're going to try this out so that we can decide if we're going to get married can help a lot of that, you know, just like the episode we just talked about, having really good communication and knowing why you're going into these relationships. Um, You know, you definitely see a lot of people jump into cohabitation for the for the reasons you listed. It's more convenient. It's more cost effective. Maybe it's easier on time because you don't have to commute to each other's houses or whatever. But a lot of times people jump into these cohabitating relationships without having the conversation about why are we doing this? Why do we want to and where do we think it might go, if anywhere? Sure. And then you have the added element, let's say that whose house are you going to move into? Like, so maybe one of you owns a house, right? And the other doesn't. And so the person who doesn't own the house is now moving in to your house and they might feel like a renter. Yeah. Right. And so it wasn't be something that you started together and the other person might refer to their house as their house and not your house or our house. Right. And so... That's that, and that can happen in in people getting married too, right? Absolutely. The same thing can happen. So I'm not saying that that's not just specific to cohabitation, but I think it's important. I really think it's important for people to know it's really not a complete dress rehearsal for marriage. I think it's very different. I think the stakes for me are higher. Like I just felt like the stakes were higher once I had that legal document, right? For sure. So that's kind of how I feel about cohabitation. I would say that, in my opinion anyway, that you have to discuss expectations. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to to discuss marriage, but you have to discuss the expectations. If one person's going in with the expectation that this is going to lead to marriage, that can be a problem. Um, even if that's not the conversation they're having, just what are your expectations of this? Hey, my expectations are that I'm hoping that someday we'll get married versus I was just hoping we could live together and share expenses. Yeah, that's a real big one. I mean, I think that if there's some huge discrepancies as far as what your goals are or what your relationship parameters are, I think that that's that's an important distinction. And a lot of people are just like, well, we're just going to live together and see where it goes. And that's okay, right? Because the organic flow of that is, sure, let's see where it goes. And then if somebody wants more, now we have the unbalanced teeter-totter. 
But if you have this conversation going in, well, you know, we're going to live together and then eventually get married when things settle down, somebody graduates from school or a new job change or whatever, then that's different, right? Then you've, you've set your relationship goals and this is where you want to be. Or if you started out the relationship by saying, I eventually want to get married, the other person's like, I have to be transparent here. That's not my gig. Right. Then you kind of know eyes wide open what you're getting into, which leads down another rabbit hole of, well, I can change their mind. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, anytime the sentence starts with, I can change. I know. Especially if it ends with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of right up there with, I want to have children. My partner doesn't, but I know I can eventually change their mind. Yeah. Yeah. No. Not going to happen. Well, it even, could, but probably not because of something you did. Yeah, exactly. That's wishful thinking that and really not. Thinking. That's a bad place to start for sure when you have that uh, discordance. Going right? right back to the communication episode. <sighs> yeah. Because it all comes down to that. It does. And people can change their minds along the way, right? Absolutely. Well, Thank goodness for that. <laughs> yeah. Autonomy. Good thing. Autonomy. Hang on to it. So, you know, that leads us to marriage. That legal document, right? That affords you like, what, 1104, I don't know, something like that, federal... Right. Benefits that you don't have without that legal document called marriage Marriage. license. Right. And um, that's that's an interesting concept. And we have to ask ourselves, is marriage something people are dying to do or is it a dying concept? It's a good question, Betsy. Statistics want to say that maybe it's a dying concept or at least it's being pushed back for a lot of people. Yes, it's a delaying concept. Let's put that. It's a delaying concept. Yeah. And, And I think, you know, and I hate to bring that up, but it's partially those millennials, right? They, Absolutely. And, and it's not because they have soured on marriage. It's that they're waiting longer before they do it, right? So I think the average age for my generation when we got married was 21, 22. I was 24. I was considered an old maid. I mean, really, like, are you ever going to get married? I'm like, I'm only 24. And now the average age, I think, for men is somewhere between 28 and 30. And for women, it's 27, 28, somewhere in there. But that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It really is. Because as we know, statistics show the earlier or the younger someone is when they get married, the more more likely likely they they will end in divorce. Yeah. Yeah. So with the marriage age rising... Have we seen a decline in divorces? I think we have. Yep. The divorce rate is down, but we're going to talk about that in our last episode. So I don't want to spoil it. So put a pin in it. Remember that and we'll come back to it. Okay. But there are different types of marriages, right? Yes, there are very different types of marriages. And now that we have marriage equality, it's for everybody, which is yay. 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 Yeah. Right. Marriage equality. And in that concept, right, we often use the word monogamy. Yes. So what does that word mean to you? That me- means one person with one person. It's it's that's your exclusive. Right. And I can tell you that a lot of people feel, you know, before they get married, there's this thing called serial monogamy, right? They're just with one person serially as they go to the next person. We used to call that dating, but I think it has a different concept. But you can think yeah. it <laughs> Okay. So if we're talking about marriage and we're talking about two people being committed and they're in this monogamous relationship and monogamy means you know you're with that one person then some people refer to that as vanilla yeah right uh especially since we're going to go on and we're going to talk about polyamory relationships and swinging and open marriages and things like that and so people might call that 
a vanilla, vanilla. traditional oh, marriage. I even saw a meme that, meme that said monogamy, see monotonous, You're right? <laughs> And so some people might consider that one of the negatives of monogamy is boredom, yeah. right? Like this is boring. It's it's the, it's the same, same old, person, same, same cereal bowl in the morning. It's the same, you know. It's the same sex at night. It's the same socks on the floor. It's the same socks on the floor. It's the same, where'd I leave my phone? It's the same That's fights me. over it's, and over again. Yeah. Until you finally just got tired of that and then you have to get on to something new. All those things can be the negatives of a monogamous relationship. And yet for some people, they can be positive because it's consistent, it's comfortable, it's secure. Stability. Right? It's what they want. They don't they don't want to do New Year's Eve all the time, right? They they want they want that. But I could see how people would see monogamy as monotonous. Yeah, right? well, it's not it's not for everybody. It is not for everybody. And that's why in this episode we're gonna discuss all the other different types. But I do want to tell the story about when I was getting married, oh, right? Oh, please do. Oh, it's a good one, right? And it's a really fond memory I have of my mom, who is no longer with us. But I'm standing at the back of the church, right? The doors are closed, so we're kind of in the, the foyer. And I'm about to walk down the aisle with my, with my dad. And my mom, before I, uh, I do that, she turns and she says, now, I, I need to give you some advice about marriage. And I'm like, <laughs> What? Is like, it a little late? Uh, what? <laughs> like, Mom, serious? Like right here? She's like, no, no, this is important. There's something you need to understand. And, uh, and she was serious. So I looked at her and I said, what is it? She goes, well, marriage is like brushing your teeth. And I'm waiting and I'm looking at her. She goes, it's daily. She said, and some days you don't want to do it, but you must to keep it healthy. Right? Oh, I like that. Oh, right? That was a great... I, I, st- I thought about that. Look, in my first year of marriage, I thought about that a lot. I found our first year to be pretty hard, right? Because this big old word called pride kept getting in the way. And so I thought about that episode a lot. And then I, I look at my dad and he looks at me and he says, which way? <laughs> and I said, down the aisle. And then he practically drags me down there running. I I have to pick up my dress because I'm about to trip. He's like before before you know Bill changes take her, his mind. Take her. <laughs> so so right. So understand that marriage can be monogamous, but relationships without marriage can be monogamous, and it's a state of and being. And relationships without marriage can be anything they want as well. Exactly, and marriages can be anything they want, but it's all about what you agree on, what the rules of engagement are, and everybody needs to be transparent. But I think the important thing to remember about monogamy is that truly, it's not for everybody. And for some people, they think it's boring. So I kind of hit monogamy kind of hard. It was a little negative, but... I, there are a lot of positives for there, me. There really are. Th- for me, it's it's who I am. It's what I want to be. Um, it's less complicated. Um, it's it's comfortable. I feel like it stacks a lot of emotion and a lot of history and a lot of um, dedication over the years that are. It, it's like a warm blanket, right? It just fits around, and and it's. I like it. It yeah, works. There, there's definitely something to be said for having those special secrets that you only have with one person and and those special memories that only one person knows. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I was single for a lot of my adult life and, and I, I find a monogamous relationship to be very comforting and, and um, 
stable, you know, stable. I, I used to, as a single person, I used to just wish for somebody to sit on the couch with while I was <sighs> watching a movie. Yeah. You know, just gosh, somebody sitting here next to me or somebody that to drink coffee with on a Saturday morning. Right. You know, and, and having that in a monogamous relationship and knowing it's there every time I need it, that that is comforting. And I, I take a lot of solace in that. For sure. So let's talk about open marriages. I think people get confuse those with polyamory and they're different. An open marriage is kind of where people say, hey, look, I know we're married and you're my, you know, my significant. But if you go on a business trip and you want to hook up, go ahead. I don't want to hear about it. And vice versa. And that's often, you know, the definition of an open marriage. And that works for a lot of people. Um, I think it could lead to problems. You know, I think it could it could lead to problems. Yeah, it could but definitely lead to some jealousy and some hurt, just hurt feelings in yeah. general. But I think the rule is don't ask, don't tell. And what you don't know won't hurt you, right? Yeah. So let's think about that. When you talk about an open marriage, um, you're thinking about somebody maybe having a fling on a business trip and being totally like, it's been fun. And then they go home. No strings attached. No strings attached. And they and then like we just said, you know, don't ask, don't tell. I don't want to know about it. But the other person that you had that fling with might want more, right? right? And so they seek you out. They call you up, call you up, show up at your doorstep. Right. So that open concept that don't ask, don't tell, I don't want to know. Doesn't always work. Doesn't. And so you'd have to be pretty careful about how you're going to do that. And I, and I do, I do think people navigate it. I personally don't know anybody who has an open marriage. I know of people who've had open marriages, um, but I don't know anybody who has done it. Do you? I don't. I've, I've known several people who have been polyamorous or still are, but um, a, a truly just open marriage. I have, I've not. Right. Well, I'm glad you brought up polyamory. So let's jump into that let's because jump. it's not, it's not open. I mean, it is open, but it's it not is, the same as an open marriage. Right. Yes. So the polyamory truly in the definition, it means many loves, right? Yes. But polyamorous have rules. Like there are rules in, in, and they set the rules. Like again, this comes down to communication. They set the rules like, you know, you're my primary, um, I'm their primary, and you may or may not be legally married. Oftentimes you are. Right. And then you're allowed to have secondaries, which are outside the the. You're obviously the, the primary, the primary yeah. and um, the rule might be that everybody knows about everybody's secondaries, right? Right. Sometimes secondaries even live in that whole polyamory situation and might even have all have children together, right. right? So in this polyamorous situation, the number one rule is honesty. Yep. Honesty. They can't tolerate the lying or the sneaking around because there's no reason to do that because it's all in the open, right? It's supposed to be all in the open for sure. That That's the rule. Right. So this works for people that are willing to do this. And then I used to talk about this in class and my students go, I couldn't do this. I have, I, I would get jealous. And I said, oh, people who are in um, polyamorous relationships have jealousy. Absolutely. They just... Talk just, about it. And they, and have they, a, they have a way to a plan, a way to navigate it and work it out. Right. Exactly. Um, but there's no suspicious about it because everything's out in the open. So I don't want people to get the idea that people who are in these um, relationships don't have jealousy. They do. It's just managed differently. 
And then my students would say, well, I, I just don't think I could do this. And I, my response is, then don't. If right? it's not for you, don't do it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It works for some people. It Absolutely. Does. But here's the problem. And I've seen this happen. You're in a polyamorous relationship. You're good. You have your secondaries. Your partner has a secondaries. And all of a sudden, your partner says to you, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't, I've, I'm going to tell my secondaries to bugger off. And I just, I only want you as my primary. Rut row. Rut row. Yeah. But they also will probably say, I'm totally cool with you keeping your secondaries. That's cool. But that still creates a, a new issue. A new issue and probably feelings of hurt. I think it, it, it can work, but um, I think it takes work. It takes a lot of work. Uh, yeah. Several of the people I know in polyamorous relationships talk about just the just even the time management of it and and the sharing of Google calendars and, and all the different aspects of trying to make just the amount of time each person gets or when they get and how each person's schedule works. When you're talking about multiple people, that's a lot of schedules to juggle. It's a lot of time to figure out, you know, and so even just that logistics piece of it is a lot of work. And that doesn't even include the all the talking and the honesty and the the disclosure you have to have as well. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a really lot of work involved in here's a lot of work involved in being with one person. But, you know, I really applaud that if they can do that and, and it works for everybody, do it. And then always the question is, well, what about the kids? And I'm thinking, well, what about the kids? If they're brought up in a loving, open environment with honesty, I mean, what's wrong with that? Absolutely. As long as everybody's happy. As long as everybody's happy. Yep. And and as long as it's consensual on everybody's end, then there's, hey, okay. do what you're going to do. Big word here. As long as it's consensual. Big word. Right? Yes. And so... That's the problem, right? If you really want to be with somebody and this is how their lifestyle is, they may say take it or leave it. And you may take it because you really want to be with this one person. But it's less consensual and a little bit more, I don't want to say coercion because they didn't coerce, but you were coerced in the way that you just wanted to be with them so bad you're willing to do anything. Yeah, yeah. And I think the, what would be a better word for that than coercion? Let's, uh, let's think. Um it was a bargaining chip, right? It was sort of like this. These are the rules of engagement. If you want to be involved, if you want to play the game, these are the rules, right? Yeah. And so you say, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll play. I'll take it. But inside, you might feel a little it's, it's empty. Trade off that, that maybe trade-off. you didn't think was fair. Okay, trade off. That's a good word. But but you gave consent, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's critical because there's a big difference between consent, coercion, and regret. Absolutely. Right. And so we have to be clear about that. Um, And as adults, I think if we consent, then we need to to deal with the the fallout and not suddenly say coercion. Absolutely. Okay. I agree. So a lot of people tell me there are a lot of advantages to polyamorous relationships. Um, I think one of the things I hear over and over and over again is that there cannot be one person that can meet all your needs. You were talking to me about this the yeah. other day. Yeah. I mean, in, even in even in a what you'd call traditional marriage um, like like yours or, or mine that, um, you know, maybe maybe you have a best friend who meets your emotional needs better than than your husband. Or maybe you have, um, you know, I've got some friends that I call my concert buddies because I have the need to go to concerts a lot. And my husband doesn't love that as much as I do. So I've got those people to do that with. And I think that everybody has 
has that where they have different needs being met by different people. But I think that um, from from my understanding, and I've never been in a polyamorous relationship myself, um, I do hear that as well, that that the meeting of different needs is one of the reasons that that people engage and really enjoy their polyamorous relationships. Yeah. And I don't even know if it stems around sexual activity, you know, just different sexual activity that being, having sex with one person for the rest of your life is, is boring. And I'm thinking, well, that's kind of on you, you know, if you can't spice it up or be creative, you know, it's daily kind of thing. But, uh, I, I think that I hear that a lot. Like, well, how can you be in a, a single relationship that's so boring and I think to myself, well, I don't have, I don't rely on my husband for everything, right? That would be super boring for sure, yeah. especially, and for him as well. And it's a tall order. I cannot meet all of those needs that he has. Just like you talked about, you have your concert going buddies, right? Yeah. And I think that's important because it makes you a more interesting person. Do you understand? Like when you're not with your partner and you're off doing those other things and you come back and you tell great stories of the tales of what you did, it makes it, it makes you more interesting. Yeah. And otherwise and I think, you all, you share all the same stories. Right. And not that that's boring. No. It's fun. Like we, we laugh about a lot of the things historically that we've experienced, but also I bring back stories of when I would go hunting, you know, because he didn't like to hunt or, you know, when he would do his, these bicycle treks and stuff like that. It was fun to share those adventures because I knew that made him really happy and he'd come back and he would share that. And so I think that is one of the things that people in polyamorous relationships like. And I do think that they definitely like the different sexual experiences with more than one person. Yeah. I think that I, I would, most of the people that I've talked to, listened to, say that is a big plus for them. They like the 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 variety. The variety of the sexual experiences Absolutely. and that's important to them. And and I'm okay. And and it works for them. And if that keeps you in that legal marriage and makes everybody happy, then do that. But it's different than an open marriage. And I think that that's a really strong distinction that I want our listeners to go away with. You know, Absolutely. that it's it's way that different. Very different things. Yeah. So that takes us to swinging. Which is also different than all of the above. It is. And you can have an open marriage that swings. You can have a traditional monogamous marriage that swings that's not open. You can have a polyamorous situation that swings. But they're not and they're not all the same thing. Right. Because swinging literally is just going off and they, like swinging parties of the 70s the 60s and 70s you know everything gets recycled and so you have the, partner the, swap or, <laughs> partner swap yeah wife swapping husband swapping partner swapping they even had a or, show or on somebody it. joining in or threesomes yep yep uh there's a lot of you know fetishes that can be met doing that as well which is another topic right Absolutely. bdsm kink that's a whole nother thing so i think swinging is its thing but it's designed to be like a one and done out the door you know what happens is people get caught in the trap of going to the same swinging party hooking up with the same person same and then it just becomes an excuse to have sex with your person you're having an affair with <laughs> right you turns I mean? into something a little different than yeah, swinging's intention. Right. So the definition shifts. But again, that's up to you and your partner and what you all agree on because rules of engagement and communication are always the critical piece. As Again, as long as everybody's happy and everybody knows what's going on. Yeah. Because when they don't know what it, what's going on, that's when we call it infidelity. 
infidelity when open marriage, swinging, or polyamory is not the rule, right? Yes. So infidelity. Cheating. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. And we have physical cheating. We have emotional cheating. We have cyber cheating, right? Yes. So I used to ask my students, you know, what is worse? Somebody having, doing email cheating, you know, cyber cheating, or physical cheating. And they're like, oh, physical. I go, really? Like physical infidelity is, is worse for you? And they're like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, why? Oh, it just is. And I go, huh, let me put it this way. Let's say you were in marriage counseling because your partner found out that you were unfaithful physically. And you said to your partner in this counseling session, well, you were just screwing. And they turn to you and say, no, we were not just screwing. And uh, they say, well, what was it? And they say, well, we were making love. Ouch. So which is worse? For me, emotional. Of course. And that's the deal, right? That was the emotional thing. So if you're having this cyber relationship where you're telling this person your deep, darkest, most you know, personal disclosure. I, I don't know. I think that might be worse than just like this one night stand that has no consequence. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's my opinion as well, but I, you know, I guess everybody, everybody sees that a little differently, but I don't know. I, I don't I, either. I, <laughs> I don't know either, but I can tell you that a lot of times my students felt that infidelity was the worst thing that could happen to your relationship. It was a deal breaker. It was the deal breaker. The line they drew in the sand. Yes. And I would have to explain to them that a lot of relationships and marriages can get past it. But you have to decide if that's what you're going to do, right? Yeah. You, that, and again, you have to put in the work. You have to put in the work and, and you and have to be and, very conscious about it. But but lots of lots of relationships can survive infidelity. And do. Yeah. Don't they say that the number one reason for divorce has to do with money? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> so it, yeah. And again, divorce is another topic, but... You know, when when money is a bigger reason than cheating for for people breaking up, I'd say a lot of people get past cheating. They do, but they have to make that conscious effort to say, you know, we say forgive and forget. And you have to really do that. You can't, you have to forgive and forget. And a lot of people are willing to forgive. They are. They're like totally willing to forgive. But forgetting is really hard. Right. It's that forgetting, you know? And so what they do is they get real passive aggressive about it, right? And, And then finally their partner says, how long do I have to pay for this crime, right? Like, how long do I have to pay for this? Just let me know. Like how long, cause like you say you forgive me, but I, but you're, but you're still treating me like this. Yeah. Like you don't trust me. There's, you know, you haven't forgotten. And I think forgetting, forgiving is easy. Forgetting might be a tall order. I struggle with, with forgetting even little things. So, you know. <laughs> And in 1978, remember when, <laughs> when you were sitting on the other side of the couch. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, there's that. So infidelity can be a deal breaker, but I don't think it is. I, there are a lot of resources out there for people to get past that. And I, I think I told this story in a in our first season. And if I did, I'm, I apologize to my listeners, but I think this is a really poignant story and I want to bring it up again. One semester, I had an older learner in the classroom, which meant she was older than 21. I think she was in her 30s. And I was talking about infidelity and how, you know, some students think, oh, this is the worst thing that can happen to your relationship. And I'm like, well, actually, it really isn't because there's other things like, you know, child abuse and physical abuse and drug abuse and, you know, things that can all be those. much worse. Right. So she came up to me after class and she said, she said, um, right now I'm struggling 
to watch my husband die from kidney cancer. Yeah. She said, I know who the enemy is. You know, the enemy is kidney cancer, but I, I don't, I don't have a fighting chance. I don't get to, I don't get to fight for him. I wish he, I wish I were fighting for my marriage through infidelity. I wish that were my problem right now because I'd have a fighting chance, right? I'd have a chance to, to work on that relationship and get him back. Something that, yeah. She goes, so no, infidelity is not the worst thing that can happen to your marriage. And I thought, wow, right. If only the whole class could have heard that. Exactly. And I had to, I thought about that and I, and I said, yeah, she goes, yep. She said, so I would welcome it. I would welcome that right now over what I'm getting, what we're doing right now. And I said, yeah. And it, it all points back to perspective, right? And then also, you know, if people listen to our Valentine's day debate, it goes right back into your lap of telling that person you love them on that day. And every day. And every day, particularly that day. So when infidelity happens, there are resources. And I think, you know, people should tap into that. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a matter of, you know, again, communication and honesty, but, but really looking at your own boundaries and realizing where, where you draw the line. Cause some people might draw the line at, at infidelity um, and other people might not, but, and, and you might think that that is where your line is until it happens and your line might get pushed a little bit. Tommy James once called it dragging the line. You might drag it a little ways because you love somebody enough to. And I don't think that that's a bad thing unless it completely robs your soul, right? Unless you find yourself in a a despondent place where you've compromised your standards or your boundaries to the point where you don't even recognize yourself anymore. Well, then that's not living in your boundaries at all. No, it's living in somebody else's. Absolutely. Right. I think that these different types of relationships are important. I think they're not for everybody. Um, but I think if you are out there and this is a relationship you're in or this is a relationship you want to try or this is a relationship you left, I think some of this will resonate with you. And I think it's really important, especially for our youth, to hear these stories, to hear these topics, to know that it's not it's not easy out there and it's not simple. There are options other than a traditional marriage. Right. While we are talking about marriage, and we have mentioned that legal document, these types of relationships can happen and take place without that legal document, right? Absolutely. If, if that doesn't seem like what's right for, for somebody, you know, for teenager going, God, I don't think I want that. That doesn't seem like something I want. And to realize that there are other paths that they can take, um, despite what our society kind of says or the steps people take in life, right? you know, that they have options and in ways they, they want to express their own relationships. So basically do what makes you happy. As long as it makes you happy. And as long as there's consent. Yes. Right. I remember, I remember, um, oh my gosh, years ago when our, uh, our eldest daughter was in high school and one day out of the blue, she said to me, oh, mom, you know, you and dad, your relationship is so great. It's so, it's, it's, you know, all these things. And boy, that was a head snap moment for me. And I looked at her and I said, hey, I said, what you see takes work. And I said it so fast, you know, it kind of set her back on her heels. And she's like, what? And I said, I don't, I don't mean to alarm you, but like what you see 
takes work. Like I don't, and the reason it was really important for me to communicate that to her was so that she wouldn't go out there thinking that- It was gonna be easy. Unicorns and sprinkles, you know, like that what you see is great and it is like, but we work at it. Like it takes work and it is not always happy, but we're in it for the long haul, right? So I'm glad that that's what you see, but understand there's it's a lot not going a on behind the There's scenes. a lot of pedaling <laughs> underwater, you know, like a duck floating on the surface. Yes. And um, and I think that's probably the best piece of advice we can give, right? Yeah, regardless of the relationship type, it's going to take work. It's going to take communication and it's going to take consent. And it's going to take consent. Yeah. So I think that wraps up this episode. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. B. And I'm Mandy Johnson. And hopefully you'll tune in to our next episode, episode seven, because we're going to talk about when relationships end. And we're going to talk about the big D, divorce. So sad. But anyway, this is us clocking out. If you want more information, you can hit us up at our website, lkbthwis.org. Join us for the final episode of season two on It's Not Human Sexuality. My goodness, Betsy, there are so many reasons relationships end. And how to break up with somebody gracefully. We're going to talk about the stages of grief when you lose somebody. Death of a partner. For every relationship I've ever been in, there's probably a different reason. I didn't like the way he breathed. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Like, really, you probably should just be alone for a while. People who don't look at their history are doomed to repeat it, so... So reflecting and and growing from what you learned, I think, is one of the best upsides of, of a breakup. It's Not Human Sexuality is created in support of the Colorado-based nonprofit Look Both Ways, whose mission is to improve the lives of youth by imparting the knowledge and skills necessary to make informed decisions about their reproductive health. All content is created by reproductive biologist Dr. Betsy Cairo and human sexuality education teacher Mandy Johnson. We record at Redstone Sound in Loveland, Colorado with Chief Engineer Jeff Ratterman. I'm Hannah Copeland, this podcast producer. I know, Mandy gave me the elevated eyebrows, so I had to say the divorce word.